Well, Merry Christmas, countryside. You know, all week, the last three weeks, we've been hearing happy holidays everywhere we go. It just feels good to say Merry Christmas. I hope you're taking time to be with family, to enjoy the lights, enjoy the music, enjoy the presence of God. Um, you know, this, this season can get so crazy and busy. And, you know, I saw some of you on CNN where Black Friday, you're beating each other up. God bless you. I'm praying for you. But last week, I'm picking up some coffee for my wife at Starbucks, or maybe it was soup at Panera, one of those things. And it's supposed to be the Christmas spirit. And they got all these flavored coffees and all this wonderful stuff. Well, I had three people almost hit me as I was pulling out of the parking lot. It's like, it's Christmas, people. Take it down a notch. Let's slow down. Let's enjoy the presence of God this Christmas season. Can you say amen to that? Well, today we are spotlighting a really a highlight of one of the ministries that we have here at Countryside Christian Church, and that's our academy. Countryside Christian Academy established 19 years ago, and it's a wonderful school. It's a school that we take kindergarten through the eighth grade. We have the opportunity to minister to them through Christian education, through Bible learning. They're able to get a strong foundation academically and spiritually. We get them five days a week, Monday through Friday, for nine years. Think of that. For some of you are like, well, thank you, Jesus. That's why I'm not a teacher. But it's such a fruitful ministry. And sometimes it gets forgotten. Some people, they think, well, I can't afford Christian education. Maybe you've never heard of Stuff Up for Students. That is for low-income people that qualify, and they're able to come bring their kids to the academy. But it's such a viable ministry. Part of our vision here at Countryside is to reach this community in every avenue possible. A big avenue is through Christian education. I want to encourage you. If you want to be a part of a Christian education school that is high quality at every level, maybe you know people, just as you invite them to church, people are looking for alternatives to the public school. We give them much, much stronger alternative through biblical education. We give them advanced learning. People that graduate from eighth grade, I believe, get more than four credits in high school. They're learning Spanish. Thank God they're not learning driver's ed at Countryside. And actually, there's a special right now. If you are interested, between now and January 7th, you get 50% off your registration. It's just, I can't say enough. It's an accredited school through ACSI. It's just wonderful. Today, we're blessed with half of our teaching staff and administration. Teachers are underappreciated. Teachers are oftentimes in the back with kids day in and day out. You don't realize the culture that we're dealing with now. It's not the culture that I grew up in the Little House on the Prairie and Walton days. It's a little bit different. But God bless them. I'd like all the teachers and administrators to please stand up. We want to honor you today. We want to say thank you to you today. God bless each one of you. And what we have in Studio K, outside of Studio K, up in that exit, as well as the north entrance, we have all kinds of things to give you um, brochures, answer any questions you might have. But whether you're interested in the school or not, I want to encourage you, say thank you to these teachers. 
They're wonderful, and we are blessed. Thank you for being a big part of vision of what we do here at Countryside. Amen. Are you ready to get into God's Word today? This is week two of a series called Seeking the Savior. And what we're doing is we're looking at different aspects of people, where they put their focus, what makes them tick, what brings them value. And if Christ isn't a big part of that, they're missing out on truly the very best that God has for them. Every single person in this world has a God-sized hole in their heart. And people are trying to fill it through all these different things. Last week, Pastor Tim talked about people that have different kinds of spiritual seeking. They're the spiritual seekers. They were included by people that are driven by causes or driven by spirituality or driven by a desire for truth. What I love with Pastor Tim last week as he addressed the seeker, people that may be called agnostic or the atheist. A lot of times in church, those people feel like there's no place for them whatsoever because they're desiring more truth. Pastor Tim, he taught that with such respect and such honor. And I had so much feedback from people that passed that message along, but people that felt respected just because they want and they value the things that he talked about that. So let's thank Pastor Tim for a wonderful, wonderful job. Today, I'm going to be looking at the practical seeker, people that are looking for something that may not be Christ in their minds, but they're looking for something to make them feel valuable, to make them feel accepted, to fill something that only God can fill. We're going to talk about these areas today. You know, last week I was in Nicaragua, and when I was on that trip, it was a life-changing trip. I've probably been on 25 mission trips. Changed my life every single time. This is what I noticed in Nicaragua. There's a couple of things that is a universal thing. There's a universal language that's kind of spoken. One, love is a universal language. I'm, with all these kids in the middle of nowhere in Nicaragua, they had no idea what I was saying. But they are hugging me, they're high-fiving me, they're grabbing my arm. They, they just love you. And I, I felt love from them. It was universal. I had no idea. They're, I'm like, Dios le bendiga. Bang. All right? <laughs> but it was love that I felt. Something else I know that's universal, everyone has the hope of something greater. Everybody has the hope of something more. Everyone has the hope of feeling fulfilled, feeling that their God-given destiny, that they're walking that out. Here I was on our grounds in Nicaragua where all they had was walls that were up. They didn't even have a cement floor. The floors were dirt. But they would come up and they said, this is for you. And they put on a little program just for me. And they actually sang the same song three times. And it was all different because it was different people singing. So I was, and this is what the song was. It was when God's people worship him, big things happen. And so started off with a woman that got up and let me tell you, had nothing. These people are living on less than $2 a day. Their desire is just to feed their family every single day. It always gives me such appreciation for what we have in America, but it also gives me appreciation that they know what's most valuable in their hearts, and that's people, that's relationship, and that's God. So as a woman gets up, 25 people in the room, they are worshiping like there is no tomorrow. I was convicted. 
I was convicted. I'm like, man, I got to get some worship on here. And so I started moving my mouth like I knew Spanish. And I was just, you know, you always just say watermelon. I was taught that a long time ago. <laughs> they don't know. But I was so inspired. I was so inspired by their love for God. I may have been saying watermelon, but I was saying Jesus in Spanish. I love you. God, something big is about to happen. It's a universal language. Language barriers, economic barriers, they all come down. When God's there, big things happen. This week, we're going to be talking about those practical seekers, and we're going to do it together as we get into God's Word. Are you ready to get into God's Word today? Let's hold up our Bibles, maybe your phone or your hand, but let's pray. God, we seek you. We're hungry. Feed us today. Help us just to calm our minds in the middle of this season where we have so much to do, so much to get done for Christmas. But Lord, help us to settle our minds and to seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to welcome all those that are watching online and the ladies at the Pinellas County Jail. You're part of our family and we love you. So let's welcome those that are watching now. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is giving instruction, and he's saying, don't worry about everything. You're so worried. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about the clothes. I'm going to provide for you. And as he went down through Matthew chapter 6, he reached the point in Matthew 6, and he says, this is what you need to focus on. Not all this stuff, but on this. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, I know it's Christmas. We have so much pressure. You turn on the TV, and they're saying, you got to go do this. They said Black Friday's the best sale, and then they tell us Cyber Monday, and now they're telling us, oh, no, now's the best sale. Well, I spent all my money on... And then we turn on, and then we turn on the TV, and it says, if you really want to give a good gift, this is the greatest gift you can give. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus is going to come out in the manger right here. And no, oh, no. So... The, the woman comes out. It's so romantic. They got the music playing. And the guy looks at her and says. And then they look and they see two brand new cars with bows on them. And the woman goes, oh, I want that one. And the guy goes, no, that was, no, you can have that one. That's okay. How are we going to measure up to the world's standards when it comes to that? Honey, you're not getting a new car for Christmas. I, I love you, though. I love you. We'll eat out, we'll share a meal, it's going to be good. <clears throat> you know, so many people, they don't realize that they have the hole in their heart until they see that the worldly things are not going to ever fill it. You know, maybe you feel like, I'm good. I'm just here because I promised my wife I would go, or I'm just here because I'm here with my boyfriend. I'm just here, but I'm good. This Jesus thing, it sounds good. You know, I'm, I'm, I celebrate Christmas. It's good. But if you feel like, I don't really need a Savior, this message is just for you. So I encourage you to be open for people that you know that these are their focuses. This is what drives them. It's not Christ. I want to bring assurance to you that God always fills our deepest need. God always fills us through broken situations through painful things that we go through, if we cling to God, he always shows us at the end that we're going to be okay, that he's there, he loves us, and he's not finished with us yet. Can you say amen to that? 
So there are people that are searching through different things and they're motivated by different ways of feeling fulfilled. Number one, the first motivated motivation of people is people oftentimes are motivated by success. You know, in the Western world, it's like you're successful based on what your income is. You're successful by what you drive. You're successful by what you have. That's what makes you successful. There's a, there's a king in the Old Testament that was known as the richest man that had ever lived, the wisest man that had ever lived. Can anybody tell me who that is? Solomon. You read ahead in your notes, didn't you? Well, Solomon. Solomon was so wise, but he was motivated by the things that he could do with the riches that God blessed him with. He wasn't motivated by just getting rich. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 22, it says, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than any other king on the earth. All of the kings on the earth sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. Think of that. All the presidents in the world, the kings in the world, the prime ministers in the world, they all wanted to gather to sit in the audience of one king. One king that had all of this wisdom. But I have a feeling that it was more than just wisdom that they were looking for. They wanted to sit in front of the guy that knew how to get rich. We see that here. You see Tony Robbins, hey, you come see me, rah, 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 you're going to get rich. We see all these books, just get rich. We see these things, you can get slim, have a six-pack, and just swallow a vitamin. If you sell that vitamin, I'd like to buy that vitamin, by the way. Um, but it's just not the facts. You see, there's times in our life that it can be hard, but there's times in our life that God blesses. And what if God went up to you and said, I've called you to be one of the richest people in America. How many would say, God, that's not for me? Most people are like, yeah, I'd like to give a shot at that, Lord. Is it a direct deposit or can I get a check every single week? <laughs> but it's not success that should motivate us. Solomon, he knew what it was important to have, but he knew what was important to use what he had to bring glory to God. In your notes, success is understood as the significance and the security a person achieves in life. You know, everybody has their keys, right? You got your keys somewhere? These are my keys. You know, I could use a keychain for Christmas. No, no, I'm just kidding. Here's a key to my Jeep. But what if I could turn this key, pray over it in Jesus' name, and then I have a key to a Rolls Royce or a Mercedes convertible? Then I would have so much more value. Then I would have so much more joy because I'm not just going to a Jeep. Man, I'm going to this $150,000 car. People are going to notice me. I'm going to mean something. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a Rolls Royce. God bless you. I'd love to take you to lunch. Um, oh, here's my house key. What if I could trade this house key for a key, instead of being in Oldsmar, home of the buzzards, for those that live in Oldsmar, I could trade this for a mansion in Beverly Hills. You know, I'm a redneck. I could be a Beverly Hillbilly. Side note, can you believe the Beverly Hillbilly mansion sold last week for $150 million? 
Jed turned over in his grave last week. But would that make me better? Would that make me more successful? Would that bring real joy that's lasting for me to be able to trade that in for something greater than I have? Oh, here's my office key. I like my office. It's a nice office. But what, what if I could turn this key into an office? Maybe it could be called the Oval Office. I had that right, had the big eagle, you know, with the stamp. That could be my office. Then I'll be so much more successful. Then people are going to see that, man, I got it going on. That's what's going to make me happy. Those things will never make you happy. You know, we look at people that are rich. We look at performers. We look at entertainers. Those that have so much money, they could buy anything they want. But oftentimes they end up on drugs and alcoholics. Why? Because they're trying to numb their pain. They're trying to numb their disappointment. So many people, they think, if I just had more money, then I'll be happy. It's not money that's going to bring you happiness. But it, it's something that God wants to do in us so that we can make the kingdom stronger. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, it says, a generous person will prosper. I want to read that again. That's not a maybe. That is a promise from God's word. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Solomon knew the importance of what God had given him was so that he could sow into other people's lives, so that he can make the kingdom of God stronger and better. You know, I think back in our history. I look back 38 years ago, 37 years ago, whatever it was, and there was a man by the name of Dr. James Gills. Him and our founding pastor, they met up. Countryside was growing out of the living room. It grew out of Sam Ash music. We were busting out of our seams on the 12th floor of an office building in downtown Clearwater. And Dr. Gills had heard about this major movement that was happening in Clearwater. Here he is, the founder of St. Luke's Eye Clinic, who didn't even go to our church, but he knew God was up to something great said, you know what, Pastor Lloyd, I want to be a part of what's happening at Countryside. He goes, I don't know if this is something you guys could use, but I'm willing to give you a huge discount, maybe even 80 cents. It would cost 25 cents on the dollar of what it's really worth. I'm not sure if, if it's the right location for you or anything like that, but I own 25 acres off of McMullen Booth Road. Right now, it's just, there's just cows there. I know McMullen Booth is just this really small road. There's a two-lane highway, north and south. Not many people travel McMullen Booth Road. And they got together, and Pastor Lloyd and him, they, taught, they thought about it, they prayed together. And here we are, on one of the busiest roads in Pinellas County. Do you think God knew that? Do you think it was God that put in his heart that he was supposed to do and be a part of what God was doing at Countryside? It was out of the generosity of this great man that we have this property that we're on today. Two years ago, he came to a fundraising banquet, hadn't been to our church in 20 years. And he said, I just wanna give $50,000 to help with the student center. I just feel that on my heart. But you know what happens? is he was part of what God's doing here at Countryside in a big way. But we've had so many other people. There are significant people that are here today that are doctors or maybe lawyers or whatever they are, but they've been blessed. God isn't mad at you because you're blessed. 
He wants to bless us. If God says, Glenn, I want to drop the lottery on you. And I would say, God, do I need to play it then? <laughs> but I would say, God, yes, I'm going to further your kingdom because of it. But there are people that have used their resources to further the kingdom of God here in our church. You look around in this building right now. Why we're able to do two million pounds of food at Helping Hands and have a full-time crew that's at Helping Hands, it's not because the government's helping us. How that happens? It's because of the generous people that sit right here. You don't have to be a lawyer. You know, you know the greatest gift that was given in Scripture says it was the widow that gave two mites. Because if you're trusted with little, God's going to trust you with more. So we're feeding 2 million pounds of food. We're looking to expand that next year. We have a youth ministry that's second to none and a youth center that's paid for almost, almost paid for completely. How did that happen? Glenn, is it because of your good looks? No, it's not. It's because we have a church of generous people that honor God with their resources and what God's given you. But I want to tell you, it's just the beginning. You look at our women's ministry. You look at how 50 to 100 people get saved every single week in this ministry. You're a part of that. You're a part of what God's doing at Countryside, and you're using what God has given you to do great things for his kingdom. You are affecting so many people in this Tampa Bay area. It's beyond belief. Just wait for Christmas Eve. You're going to be shocked with how many people that come through these doors. I'm going to smile and say, man, it's great to see you. I'll see you next year. I get to see them every year. It's a wonderful thing. But it's, we're just on the cusp of what God wants to do in us and through us. And he wants to use our successes to further the kingdom. It's the motive of our heart that matters to God. Can you say amen? In that, in your notes, a successful driven person can lead with generosity and wisdom. God bless each one of you for your generosity and your wisdom. Number two, other people are motivated by honor. Other people are motivated by honor. How many hate to be disrespected in here? That's something that drives me crazy. If someone starts talking to me and they're talking down to me and they talk like I don't matter or they're talking disrespectfully, that just really irks me. It bothers me. It bothers me most when a teenager it's disrespectful to me. It just bothers me. And I, I think I've had, in 20 years, I had three teenagers disrespect me. And I think I was related to two of them. So I didn't do too bad. <laughs> but if we're just living for honor and respect and recognition, we're going to miss what God has for us. But it feels so good to have recognition. Today, I brought... One of the few awards that I've been given for recognition, this was given to me by Dr. T and Susan Thompson back in 2004. And he presented this to me. He said, I've gone through all the process, all of your contributions, all of the things that you, your qualifications. I just want to recognize that. And today, Pastor Glenn Davis, I want to present you with this. And this is what it is. It's an honor to present that shall come the greeting that you know that the Honorable Glenn A. Davis, in fancy writing, I like the fancy writing, is commissioned to be an official Kentucky Colonel. 
So, hey, I may not have all these accolades, but one thing I do, I, I do have this. I'm a Kentucky colonel. So if you're coming to me and you're like, Pastor Glenn, what do you like better, Chick-fil-A or Popeyes? I'm like, I'm, I'm a Kentucky colonel. I can't really say anything about anyone else. But it, it felt good. You know, everybody wants to feel respected and recognized and honored. Even in the Bible, in the New Testament, the disciples, they were fighting and saying, Jesus, we're the greatest disciple. I'm the greatest disciple. And they were really arguing about it. In Luke chapter 9, verse 46, it says an argument started. Can you imagine? Among the disciples as to which of them was the greatest among them. Now, can you imagine? Jesus just about to go to the cross and he's got his 12 disciples. And they're like, hey, Jesus, come on. I'm better. I did more. I'm, I'm the greatest. Jesus, will you tell me I'm the greatest? And they're begging him for affirmation and respect and recognition. And instead of going, you know what, Peter, you, you need to get it together a little bit. He didn't say those things. He didn't bring correction. What Jesus did is he took a towel. He placed it around his waist. And he knelt down on the floor before them. He says, this is the greatest thing that you can be. And he began to wash the disciples' feet, one by one by one, to say to them, the greatest of these is a servant. The greatest of these is not about who gets all the recognition, who's the greatest, who gets the biggest trophy. The greatest is someone that used their gifts, their talents, their abilities to honor God and to serve other people. When we start to have an attitude of, well, I don't like that because I feel disrespected, and we start respecting others first, loving others first. So often we're like, what are you gonna give me? And then I'm gonna give you some love back. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus kneeled down. The greatest of the entire universe, the Son of God, kneeled down to serve each one of us. Tony Dungy. In your notes, there's a great quote from him. It says, respect isn't a right. We aren't entitled to it, and we can never earn it by demanding it. It's something we earn because of our character and by giving it to others. Respect, honor. In your notes, it says, to honor someone means to value them. When we start looking at people around us, and we begin to show them value, and we begin to show them respect. Yeah, I'm talking about the next door neighbor that blows the leaves on your yard, that turns you into the HOA like every month for something. Yeah, show them that they're valuable. Show them that they're loved. You know, what about that family member? We all have that family member, the one that's weird. You know, the ones that just says things, the ones that's disrespectful. Begin to love that family member. Begin to honor that family member. Begin to show respect to that family member. The most powerful thing, one of the most powerful things we can give is true love, true respect, and true honor. Jesus gave that to us. So the last point in this little area, an honor-driven person can passionately revere God and value others. Showing people that their value is not so much what we say, but it's what we do. You know, maybe you need to make that bunt cake. Take it over and say, you know what? Thanks for being a great neighbor. I love 
and I respect you. And then slide them a little invite card. Countryside Christian Center, Christmas Eve, we have four services. But really, to show honor, to show respect, to show care, that's the heart of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? The last thing that I'm going to cover is other people are motivated by their love for family. Marriage is absolutely critical. We see it in the biblical scriptures about marriage and leaving and cleaving our family and cleaving to our wife and having wonderful kids. You know, so many of us, we're just going to do whatever it takes so our family's going to be okay. Lord, just bless me. As long as my family's okay, then I'm going to be okay. Well, God wants more than your family just to be okay. God wants your family to be blessed. He wants your family to be in the kingdom of God. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6, it says, Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. I can identify with this. I'm a family guy. There's been times I'm like, I, I worked three jobs for three years, two jobs for almost 10 years when I started in the ministry. As long as my family's okay, then I'm going to be okay. And my family, it started out with Meanie Lane. Here we are, married almost 31 years. I look at her, I think she's hotter now than she was 31 years ago. I love her. We're blessed. And then we followed that with three children. Don't mess with my kids. How many are like that? Don't mess with my kids. I'll take care of my kids. And then I got a daughter-in-law. What a wonderful addition to our family. I know a lot of you are praying for that daughter-in-law. Well, I got the best one in the world, so you can get the second best one in the world. Because she is so amazing, so perfect for our family. Here's a family picture. So that's my girls, that's my boy, that's my daughter-in-law, that's my girl. But then something amazing happened last year in July. Then came the grandbaby. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, you train your child in the way that they should go. When they're old, they will not part from it. I, I, she knows what the gators are all about. She knows. Oh, yeah. But then I look at my family. I have wonderful parents. My brother, sister-in-law. I have nieces, nephews, cousins. It just gets bigger and bigger. And God's blessed my family. But if you go beyond that, I look at you. You know, I'm closer to some of you than I am my own family in different ways. I'm closer to some of the people that I work with. Pastor Tim is like a brother to me. Different ones were like brothers and we look after each other. But I get to come into this church and I get to tell you how nice your hair looks. I get to tell you I like that shirt. I'm like, oh, that goatee is rocking today. I get to hug it up with you because you're part of my family. We are part of the family of God. And so when you come into our church, it's so important that you feel most of all that you're loved, you're accepted, you belong, that God has a plan for your life, and we're living life together in this church family. And we, we make each other better. We love each other. Sometimes it can be messy. Sometimes it can be hard. We're flesh and blood. We're human. We're not perfect. But don't ever say, well, you know, Pastor Glenn said something stupid today. I'm out of here. We've got to love each other deeper than that because I'm always going to say something stupid. I mean, that's just the way it goes. We can't say, well, the worship, they didn't do that song. I just like that song. They're going to do that song down the street. I'm going to go down the street. They're going to do that song. 
Our family's so much deeper than that. Our family's so much stronger than that. We're so much better than that. You saw my family picture. You know, Pastor Tim, you know what I want to do? I want to get a new family picture. And you're a part of my family. I'd like everybody to stand up. We're going to get a family picture right now. Yeah. If everybody could stand up, we're going to do one that's going to be a serious smile, whatever. And then we're going to have, you know, every good family, they have the goofy picture afterwards. I want to have that with my family as, as well. I'm going to post this on Facebook. Merry Christmas from my family to yours. So, okay. Pastor Tim. Okay. So maybe these lights can go down. All right. Great. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Okay. This is the serious one. On the count of three, everybody say Mephibosheth and Jehoshaphat, okay? <laughs> how, about, how about just say Jesus on three, okay? One, two, three, Jesus. All right, okay. This is the silly one. So get your silly pose ready. One, two, three, Jesus. All right. All right. Thank you, family, for taking the time. I would have taken you to an Olin Mills studio, but I think they went out of business and we probably wouldn't have fit in there. But what a family it is. So often we think family and we think of just our wife or our kids. But when we get to look at what God offers through his family, it's just so amazing and so strong and so exciting to know it's not just about us. It's about us. And it's about them. And God's always open to more family. When he said to be fruitful and multiply, he's talking to the church as well. Let's be fruitful and multiply so that anyone that walks through these doors, they know that they're part of a family and they know that they matter to God. And get ready, because great things are getting ready. We already are in the middle of something great that God's doing. It's only going to get stronger and better as we move into 2020. Can you feel it? Can you feel what God's doing? It's exciting. In your notes, love for family includes wanting the best for those closest to you. I want the best for you. People say, you get so excited and so passionate when you start talking about us and our destiny, our future. It's because I care about you in every way. I care about your family. I check on you, how's the kids? I'm at the front door pounding it with every kid. Even if they're a baby, I'm making them pound it. I'm taking that baby's hand. But I, I care about your well-being. I care about your future. I care about you walking out the purpose and destiny that God chose you to walk out. All of that matters because you're my family. But you know what I feel? I feel that you want the same thing for me. I feel your love when you walk through these doors. I see you walking and waiting in line to shake my hand, to give me a hug. If you're Spanish, we do that cheek-to-cheek -cheek kiss in the wind. I mean, we, we're part of the family. You want the best for me. You want the best for my family. When I talk about my kids or grandkids, I see you perk up. Here we go, another picture. Why? Because you look at me as your family. We're together every week. I look at you as my family as well. But as family, we got to realize sometimes it gets hard. Sometimes we don't always get what we want. Sometimes we need to look at each other and love each other in spite of. There's times that you're like, well, that message was bad today. But I love him in spite of him being terrible today. I'll see you next week. Here's a 
really great quote from a wonderful family theologian in our church, Elaine F. Davis. She's looking down with her hand over her mouth because she's embarrassed. It's okay. You're still not getting a car. I love you, though. I do. I really I love you. So here's her quote. God places us into family so that we can be taught the vital lesson of how important it is to work hard. People ask, what's your secret sauce, Glenn, to your marriage? We, we work hard. We do. We go to conferences. Um, yeah, we, we knock down the walls that everyone walks through. Um, no marriage is perfect, but we love. We love each other in spite of differences, in spite of different things that we may be going through, dif- different areas in life and stages of life, all of those things. We have to work hard. As a church, we've got to do better. We've got to work hard. And how to apologize when you don't want to. And that's not sorry. It's knowing that it's like, you know what? I'm genuinely sorry, and I care, and I'm here. That's meaningful. That means so much. So here I am in the church with a beautiful family that loves each other and loves me. Some of the most incredible people on the earth are in here right now. All of us are broken. All of us are sinners that have been saved by grace and God's goodness. And I can't imagine doing life without you. Here we are, but we're here, and what's most important is that we seek first our Savior. Not seek first our success, not seek first our recognition, not seek first just so that our little family is okay, but to seek first the kingdom of God, to seek Jesus. He's more than a little baby in a manger. Let me tell you, that baby grew up and he gave his life on a wooden cross for you and for me. I am saved. I'm set free. I'm Holy Ghost filled because of that baby coming in a manger and giving his life for you and for me. That's the Savior that we have in Jesus Christ. No matter what we are, no matter what we've gone through, God will use it all to make us stronger and make us better. And it's so important to feel that we're in it together. Last point in your notes. A family-driven seeker can be part of God's family. Oh, what a great family it is. So as I close up this morning, I want to encourage you during this Christmas season, number one, seek the Savior. Don't seek the stuff. Seek the Savior. Number two, share the Savior. We all have Jesus Christ in our life and there's other people around us that needs it. We have the answer. The gospel's the good news. The good news of the saving grace and forgiveness of our Savior. Share it. And the last thing, remember, love the Savior. So if we love God first and we love people, we're doing pretty good, wouldn't you say? We're not always going to get everything right, but two things we're going to get right at Countryside is we're going to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and we're going to love our neighbor as ourself. Everyone matters. Everyone's valuable. Everyone has a plan and a purpose that God's created for you, but it's up to you to join the family of God. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes as we close today? If you're here today, see, Pastor Glenn, you know, I'm a churchgoer. Or I like, I love the Lord, but he's like number five on my list. 
Maybe he's like number 10. Maybe he's like number 20 on your list. The whole key to today's foundation of the message was to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to seek first our Savior, to seek first relationship with God. And when we do that, all these other things will be added unto us. What are other things? Joy, peace. So many people, they think, well, if I do this, does that mean I'm signing up to get a monthly check? No, it's not like that. It's to understand truly the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, through the saving knowledge and the forgiveness of Christ in the blood that he shed on the cross so that we might have eternal life forever and ever because of the forgiveness and the redemption from our sins. With every head bowed, every eye closed, that's you today. This could be the greatest Christmas you've ever experienced, Christmas 2019, the year that you began to seek first the kingdom of God, to seek first your Savior. And when I count to three, if that's you, you want to be included in this prayer, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to believe for miracles in your life because God's very best is at his table set for you. One, two, three. If that's you, will you raise your hand? Raise it up high. God bless you. I see your hand and yours and yours. Raise it up high. There's a church full of people that love you, that care. God bless you. I see your hands and yours and yours. I see over here. God bless you. People putting both hands in the air. Yes, I see your hand and yours. Coming over to this side. God bless you. God bless each one of you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. I see your hand up top. See your hand over on this side. It's a new day with Jesus Christ as our Lord, our Savior, our King, Woo! It's going to be the best Christmas you've ever experienced. Can we all pray together for the sake of those that raise their hands today? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for coming as a baby, but living a perfect life and giving your life for me. Your shed blood for the remission of my sins. Forgive me for my sins, oh God. Today, I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, my God. And today, I seek first you. Father, you see all that we're going through. There's people that are hurting. There's people that feel alone. But God, you're more than enough. You're more than enough for any of us. You meet every need according to your purpose and your plan. And we trust you, oh God, because you're so trustworthy. We love you, we praise you, and everyone said amen. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful Christmas season. Amen. Would you please stand with me to receive your blessing? And as the altar prayer team please comes forward, if you raised your hand today, don't leave before seeing one of these people who is here to pray for you. But to receive your blessing this morning, you can lift your hands, lift your hearts before the Lord. May the Lord bless you with the knowledge and the experience to know that success and honor is being part of his family. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name.
Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday.